0: Welcome back one and all to the Our Outdoors portion of your weekend. I am your host Nick Simonson, outdoors writer with my materials online at newsdakota.com and dakotaedge.com. We've got a rainy one out there. We've got some hit-and-miss showers, but that moisture is good to help get the grass up for our breeding duck populations and our breeding pheasant populations who are going to be hitting those nests pretty quick here and raising the next generation of birds for hunters this fall. So put that silver lining up there and get set for a weekend. You're still going to find opportunities to fish and I I know it isn't going to stop the diehards. We have two big tournaments in the region this weekend. First Badlands Bass Bandits tournament. The first day is on Spiritwood Lake chasing after those Clearwater Smallmouth. And the second day will be on Lake Ashtabula north of Valley City where we know there are some big five, five and a half, six pound bronzebacks that are just waiting to be caught on Lake Ashtabula. So those will be the big events going on in the area, but you can get out there for walleyes coming off the spawn. That bite is going to be picking up. You might have to contend with the weather and maybe downsize and adjust for that cold front scenario. But you'll have a chance to catch those fish that are going to be getting hungry here in the next few weeks. Additionally, great trout fishing opportunities out there. We've got the tips online at NewsDakota.com and DakotaEdge.com to help you get on these great fish that are stocked by the Game and Fish Department, providing a wonderful opportunity not only for kids, but I think for anglers who want to learn the fly rod or who just want to catch something different. So, so many different things to go after out there on the landscape. Be aware that those opportunities exist, and it's a great place for kids to learn how to fish, particularly this time of year. Once we get through this, unstable period where we get this rain, where the weather is shifting a little bit, where you can get them out, get on a faster bite, and enjoy the spring turning into summer and the bite turning up as things get warmer. In the meantime, though, we're going to be looking ahead, like I said, to where our pheasant population stand, where our sharp-tailed grouse population stand in North Dakota, following some surveys by the North Dakota Game and Fish Department and the rooster crowing counts that are going on right now. That's coming up with RJ Gross from the North Dakota Game and Fish Department right after this quick break welcome back to the show everyone it is springtime and that means there's a lot of excitement out there on the landscape particularly when it comes to upland birds getting ready for you know that nesting season and getting that next generation going and for that we have rj gross and he is the north dakota game and fish upland game biologist rj welcome back to the show
1: thanks for
0: having me again yeah, it's an exciting time. I know for you, you've got a lot of projects going on. And the big one you've kind of just wrapped up in the last month or so is uh, lek surveys for sharp tailed grouse. Let's talk about that. What is mm-hmm. the mating process for sharp tails each spring in North Dakota?
1: That's pretty cool.
0: The males, they go back to the same lek.
1: And when I say lek, I should describe that. It's basically. You know, top of a hill, a high point somewhere um, where the grass is beat down. The males in the area will come back to the same spot every year and they dance. And when we say dance, basically they put their wings out, fluff their tail up, and stomp their feet really quickly and kind of spin in circles. And sometimes, you know, they'll pair off with another male and kind of have a little bit of a dance off on the floor to see...
0: Who's the better dancer?
1: I mean, they'll be in there, you know, mid-March type of thing when, when they'll, they'll they'll start going there, and, and they'll go, and I've heard them still dancing in August when I'm doing the brood surveys. And basically the peak of when the females will come to choose who's the better dancer for their mate is mid-April. So that's the key time that we get
0: out and get to these leks. And how did this year's lecking season go? What were things mm-hmm. like out there, and what sort of data do you expect? Still looking at all the data, getting it all in. Um, but
1: if I were to guess, it'd be... Steady or it should be a little bit up we didn't have a winter you know basically nowhere in the state had a winter so survival there was good um you know we had some limitations getting places not because of the usual like snow still being around but you know it was very dry travel restrictions and you know fire danger burn bans things like that you know a lot of these times these grouse they don't exactly go right off a trail you know those leks can be In the middle of a, you know, mile-by-mile pasture and you got to go through tall grass and, you know, using a vehicle or a four-wheeler is not a good idea when we're in a burn band and, you know, red flag warnings and things like that. So we had limitations there. But, you know, the the dry conditions, you know, we didn't have to worry about getting stuck in mud or anything like that. West of Missouri, we didn't have as many leks as we had in the past, but the leks were bigger. Why? No idea. But that's just how it seemed to work out.
0: So as we look ahead to the nesting season, obviously once the dancing's done and the mating goes on, uh, what are we looking at for a time period for nesting, and what are you expecting out there on the prairie when it comes to nesting conditions for sharpies?
1: Right now, those females should be looking for their nests, probably even laying some eggs. Still, most of the state is in that extreme drought category, and we have got some shots of rain. I mean, it's not completely brown out there anymore. It's turning green, uh, but we need more. You know, we're going to need more cover. You know, the the grouse more so than pheasants are okay nesting in shorter grass prairie because that's what they're accustomed to. But we still need more rain is the bottom line. Sure, that makes
0: sense. We're talking with RJ Gross, North Dakota Game and Fish Upland Game Biologist. RJ, as we look to your projects coming up and ongoing, the one that Mm -hmm. has just kicked off is the annual spring pheasant crowing counts. How does that Mm -hmm. process work?
1: So that process, starting May 1st, going through june 10th so we have 20 mile long routes the same that we use as our brood surveys if
0: people are familiar with
1: that Um, we have over 100 of them spread across the state so i mean it's easily our most extensive as far as workforce survey um we do each of those routes three times throughout the period and it's similar to grouse where you know the middle of that survey period is usually the peak for say like our crowing um and when i say crowing basically pheasants half hour before sunrise to a half hour after sunrise is basically their peak that's when they're out in the morning crowing trying to you know basically tell the female pay them over here and like i said we do that three times and we compare that it's basically an index so that we can monitor how basically pheasants are coming through the winter how the rooster population has been doing from year to year so far it's looking pretty good i know the three that i have assigned to myself are all better than last year already and it's not it's
0: you know, Peak is right about now, so I think the next few times I'll go out, it should be even better. Yeah, that's definitely good to hear. In, in a year where we didn't have much snow, I know that you kind of use all these surveys. They build on each other. They provide a nice big picture of how our pheasant mm-hmm. populations are doing. In, uh, like you said, a year where we didn't have winter, that actually impacted some of your surveying for gender mm-hmm. out yep. there on the landscape. Yep. Talk about that.
1: So we do a a winter sex count for pheasants, and I I got one person did one this year where they went right after a little bit of snow down in the southeast, Um, because when we do that, we want to have six inches of snow on level, just so, you know, it's easy to, to see the pheasants. I mean, you know, obviously they have natural camouflage, especially those hens. It's another index that we can use. Like I always tell people back in the good years, you know, we'd have six, seven, eight hens to one rooster. That was our ratio. Uh, you know, we're still running, you know, three, four hens to a rooster, which, you know, isn't isn't terrible, but it's not, it's not like it was.
0: RJ, finally, as we look at the landscape out there, how is the habitat sitting and what impact are we seeing? Obviously some rain in the forecast, but obviously a little dry as well. So what are we looking at for pheasant nests and chick rearing coming here with the conditions we have?
1: It's good we've gotten
0: some shots of rain, and, yeah, you know, even looking at the
1: forecast this morning, it looks good. You know, there's some rain that's actually above 40% chance in in the forecast, so that's good, and that would be about a good time. I'm not most worried about the, the grass and the habitat, the nesting conditions itself. It's more going to be the chick rearing. If we don't get the rain in the time to complete their, their food's life cycle, bugs, because, you know, again, I always say it, the first Two weeks of a chick's life when they're hatched, and in North Dakota they're hatched, the peak is right around June 10th, June 15th every year.
0: If we don't have
1: bugs at that time for those chicks to eat, you know, survivability will be very low. Like in 2017, which recent enough, everyone remembers how bad it was for pheasants during that. We're right on par with that. You know, we're still, that was extreme drought, and we're in extreme drought right now. So, I mean, there is cause for concern. You know, I went, took road trips this weekend, and, and my windshield was not, perfectly clean there were some some bug residue on there so that is good but we got to keep this rain every few days going so that those bugs can be there at the
0: perfect time sure any concerns regarding heavier rains at the nesting period or kind of balance that out we need the rains for bugs Mm -hmm. but we don't want too much rain where are we at it is a
1: very very finicky process pheasant chicks they need rain but they don't need too much rain they need it to be warm, but not too too warm, and you know, it can't be too cold either. All, in all the research, if it basically gets below 45 degrees at night, those chicks are in big trouble if they're at a young, susceptible age. Unfortunately, we need almost perfect conditions, but uh, there there is a little bit of variability. And I mean, the, the biggest thing is if there's bugs,
0: if there's if there's food, the chicks will survive. That's good. We're hoping for that Goldilocks area where everything is just right. So, RJ, thank you so much for your insight, and uh, best of luck to you Mm -hmm. here as you wrap up the crowing counts, and I'm sure we'll talk later in the summer. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yep. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks again for having me. So some great information there from upland game biologist RJ Gross with the North Dakota Game and Fish Department, keeping us apprised of where our sharp-tailed grouse populations are now, heading out of the lecking season and into the nesting season. And of course, where our pheasant populations are. We are lucky to have the four different surveys that Game and Fish does to keep tabs on our upland birds. So keep that in mind as you're out there, you're gonna see those hen pheasants start to disappear as they hit the nests. Obviously, as RJ said, grouse are going as well. So it's an exciting time. Hopefully we find that Goldilocks zone and things turn out very, very well in our outdoors.